welcome back to a relaunch of my life. A relaunch of absolutely everything. I entered this new era by launching a Kickstarter campaign to fund my new fourth full-length album and fifth book. Today, as I am recording this intro, we are 21 days into the campaign. You have until October 9th to join this journey, and when the campaign stops, that's when the real journey begins. Everyone who joins the campaign now will also be entering a whole year of new music, new videos, behind-the-scenes footage, studio diaries, new writings, the book, and a lot more. My goal is that you will hold my new album in your hands, and hopefully my new book too, in a year from now, and feel proud, knowing that it wouldn't exist without your support and help. You are my co-creator. I also think it's super important to remember that music wouldn't exist if people didn't listen to it. And independent music wouldn't exist if no one supported it. Independent artists need music supporters and so thank you literally for being the reason to why I can still make music. If you didn't care, I wouldn't be able to do this. So thank you. Anyway, this is me welcoming you to a new era, a new chapter, a new season in life. We're leaving things that we have outgrown, people we might have outgrown, and make place for places and people that align with us now, as the people we have grown to be, now, after everything we've been through. You know, the goal every day should be to go to sleep being a little bit different than we were when we woke up. Because if we live each day full out, we will grow and flex and shape and expand a little bit every day. So we must embrace change, like growth, because that's what nature teaches us. Nothing is ever static. We must stay fluid, moving and changing with the seasons. So, I'm launching a new podcast season with some incredible guests and also quite a lot of solo episodes that I have been working on for months now. The first special man that I am launching this season with is Nate Maingard. Nate is a modern troubadour, traveler and podcaster. And he's just one of those people that you want to be best friends with. As you will hear in this episode, I wish I could have hung out with Nate three nights in a row talking about life and space and love and loss and everything in between. He's one of those people that you immediately fall into a deep conversation with, like we did. <laughs> As you can tell, I loved talking to him and I really hope that you will enjoy listening to it. Nate is super active on social media, so please go find him there. He has a Patreon, he is releasing new music, and he has some beautiful YouTube videos and songs up on Spotify, and he's creating so much content. He has a podcast too. So you can go and find everything at nate.live. All right, friends, here is my conversation with Nate Maingard. So hello, Nate, and welcome to my podcast. 
Thank you so much. Thanks for asking me. I've been so excited about this. And can you tell me, because um, in like, I know different languages, we say names in different ways. So I would say your name, Charlotte. How would you say your name? Yeah, Charlotte. Yeah. Charlotte. Okay. But in Sweden, my name is Charlotte. 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 Oh, I love, I, <laughs> a, a, a past lover of mine many years ago was, uh, she had studied um, in Sweden and so spoke fluent Swedish. And it's got the most beautiful way of like the mouth moves around words in ways that I haven't heard any other language do. So I love that. But anyway, don't let me distract us from where we're <laughs> headed here. Yeah, it's funny. It's always, Sweden is such a small country, but for some reason, everyone seems to know at least one person who's connected to Sweden in That's true. a weird way. So That's where cool. where in the world are you now? Right now, I am in Cape Town, South Africa, which is where I'm originally from. Mm-hmm. And is that where you're based at the moment? Yes. Yeah. My sweetheart and I have, she's also from here actually. And I was living kind of overseas for a long time, mainly in England and London, uh, London in England. And I've spent some time in California, but have been back here for a few years and have been with my beloved for also about the same amount of time. So. Mm. And I wanted, I wanted sort of traveling to be a big part of this conversation because it feels like you've been everywhere. Um, <laughs> when did you first leave South Africa and what was the, you know, the first purpose for you stepping outside? Yeah, I've, I've always wanted to travel. My dad was, he traveled extensively in the sort of 70s when, you know, I think that, that time, I think he had the golden age of travel. He was... I mean, he tells stories about going to waves. I mean, I'm a surfer, he's a surfer. So I grew up uh, in Cape Town, but surfing a lot. And so that kind of drove a lot of my passion and interests. And so my dad would go to like Morocco and he surfed waves that are now, that they have surf schools and they're sit towns and they're very popular. And he said, he's like, he surfed some of those places for three months with like one or two other people there. And it's like those kind of stories. I mean, he did the craziest things, things that I haven't done, but would love to do. He traveled cross country from, I think from, from somewhere in like the far, like East and drove across land through like Afghanistan and all those places back to Europe in a VW camper van back in the, you know, like in those times when there was no internet, there was no social media, there was no like what you should do with your travel plan stuff. Like he just did it in a way. So for me growing up, they, I always had this like, oh, I want to go and see the world and do these things. And, and so when I first went overseas, it was kind of the end of my, after I finished I went to a Waldorf Steiner uh, school, which is a specific type of education. And in South Africa, they have an extra year so that you can become, get like a government uh, certificate as well for having finished high school. And so I only finished high school when I was 19. And so when the next year I had some, a cousin who'd been visiting from England and, and she was like, hey, if you want to come hang out with us, you're welcome. I was like, this is it. I'm going on my adventures. And so that was my first um that was the first of my, that was like the first thing that really got me out there. But I knew I wanted to go from since forever, you know, like just my whole, my whole life, I can remember wanting to travel. I still want to travel in that way, actually. I have done a bit of it, but like that kind of free flowing adventuring is something I definitely want more of in my life. Mm. <laughs> and um, when did music start coming into, like, did you start traveling and then you found music as a way to keep traveling? Or was it the other way around that you were already playing music and 
When did that come in? Music. So again, my my father and my family is very musical. So he was a lifelong musician, and then also he is a guitar maker. And so I grew up around a lot of music, and and I I think that's important. But what's most important is that I fell in love with lyrics, like at a very young age. I mean, I, I the, the example I always give because it's the earliest one I can remember is listening to a song by Cat Stevens. His one of his songs, Sad Lisa, and he he sings these lines in it. He says, her eyes like windows, trickling rain upon her pain, getting deeper. And I remember being tiny, like I was the, the height of the countertop that the speaker was sitting on. So I can't have been more than like eight. And, and I remember thinking he's talking about her pain that she's feeling, but also the window pane and her tears are also the rain and her eyes are also the, like the whole thing. And I was like, my little mind just completely exploded. And then I, and that was it. I fell in love with, and I've, and I've basically started learning all the lyrics to all the songs I could. So I've always loved lyrics. I've always loved music. I started playing guitar when I was about 14, but it was always as a way to to be able to sing and, and have words and, and started writing songs and poems and all those kind of things. And so, and I, but I didn't think I could do it as a profession. I never thought, I, I avoided it as a profession until I was actually 28 is when I really committed to it. So I, I went through a huge like exploration of self and self-destruction and sex and drugs and booze and women, the whole thing. And I trying to fill the hole in myself and trying to fit into a world that I felt very uncomfortable in. And I had a huge, some very profound experiences. Actually, the first time I visited California and around that period, it was 2010. And I just kind of had this big wake up in 2011 where I realized like I could either spend my whole life dreaming about playing music as a profession or I can just do it. I can just get on it and make it happen. Um, and um, yeah, so it kind of came out of desperation in a way, but I didn't play music. I mean, I played shows from the age of about 16 and I was writing songs, but I just did not think, and I actually saw a psychic in California again, and this is when I was there in 2010. And she said, if you move back to South Africa and you start playing music professionally, you can, you, you can make a career out of it. Like you can make money out of it. And I said, I remember she'd never heard my music. She didn't, she knew that I played because I told her, but she didn't know anything that I sounded like, anything. And I was like, this woman is batshit crazy. Like she, there's no way that this is, can I swear? I just realized okay, I yeah, didn't ask you that. Yeah, go for it. Go <laughs> okay, for cool. It. <laughs> Sweet. Um, and, and she told me that and I was like, this is crazy. There's no, how could I ever make enough money to be, to survive of just of music? Like, what is that? That's crazy. And, um, and then I, I kind of forgot about it and went back to South Africa and was working in a, in a health food, like superfoods, you know, like uh, raw chocolate and maca and all these things. I was working for some friends of mine. And um, I, I had like my dream job other than playing music. I was working for a company that was doing really good things in the world. I was surrounded by people I loved. It was like, I feel like I'm doing good for the world. And I was so down and depressed and just not enjoying myself. And I had this moment of just, I went into a meeting one morning with them to decide like what the next few months would look like. And I just said, I looked at them and they were good friends of mine, but it was also their company I was working. It was like a business, but I looked at them. And I was like, guys, I can't do this. Like, I, I need to go. I've got to quit. I'm sorry. I love you and thank you, but I, I got to go play music. And they looked at each other. I'll never forget. They looked at each other and I was like, they kind of knew already. They looked, they were like, oh, shit. I, so, so then I started and within four months, I was making more money playing music than I'd done just about anything else. Like, and it was, and I was working hard, like hard, 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 hard. But, and I couldn't sustain actually that kind of level that I was working at. Um, 
but I, but I was doing it. And, and I've been basically not full-time since then, but fully committed since then. Mm. So That's an amazing yeah. story. Wow. <laughs> and I think that's really inspiring for a lot of people that you didn't you know, commit to it until a bit later. Because I think with a, a lot of people, and I, I'm a victim of that myself, feel like, oh, if I didn't start when I was you know, 17, it's too late. Because there are so many so young people who do great things today and so it feels like well if I wasn't that young when I started it's too late but you know mm. so the my biggest role models they didn't kind of make it until they were in their 40s or you know right. look at Patti Smith like she's writing the greatest books now you know mm. Mm. and I think that's super inspiring it's never too late. Oh, it's it's so good to spread that information like I feel like that is such a a story that we've been sold, um, you know, where it's like it's exactly that. If you don't, if it's if you're not young, then you're not going to make it, and that's it. And it's 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 bullshit, basically. And it's this idea, it's youth culture, basically. And it's actually it's showing up in so many areas of the world where we see of of our society where elders, older people are kind of not as respected in some ways. It's like, and it's all about all the advertising. It's all about stay young forever, anti-wrinkling this, dye your hair, that. It's like, but aging, becoming a crone, becoming an elder, becoming one of, like that means you've lived an incredible, rich, all those wrinkles, you've like earned them. And I think it's such a sad world to try and push everyone into this, like do it when you're young or it's not going to happen. Because um, I, for me, I, I, I don't think I could have, held the kind of space I needed to hold as an artist, as a creator, writing the kind of music I write and showing up in the way in the world the way that I show up, I don't think I could have done that at 21 or at 17. I, I didn't have that. And maybe some people can, you know, like Lord or um, who's that new one? Billie Eilish, you know, these youngsters. And like, that's great for them. But I wonder how is their like internal work? How, how much more harder do they have to work to develop a healthy personality and a healthy attitude about life and about the world when they've had that kind of attention and intensity poured into them so young. I mean, I know for my, like, I don't know, I'm grateful that 28 was kind of when I, I don't know, have you heard of Saturn Returns before? So this is a great, this will be useful for, like it was useful for me. There's some, some, some people say that life moves in seven year cycles and that the 28, when you turn around the time of turning 28 is when astrologically is when Saturn comes around to the same place it was when you were born in your, in your chart. And it's, it's basically about resolution and about questioning and self-reflection. And so for myself, I found like I had been pretending for a long time that I didn't, I was like, oh, I don't need to play music. It's like, but I kept coming back to it. And then 28, it like, it was like, it hit me. So there was no avoiding it anymore. It was like, do, and I think that's one of the reasons why so many of the, the people, like the great artists of the world die or kill themselves at like 27, 28. There's like, that's like a very, very common thing. I think it's because when it's the first time as an adult that we really get confronted by ourselves like as we are this are you are you showing up in your life where is the unresolved trauma where is the unresolved accountability and anyway for me it was very much that and I've spoken with a lot of other people who it's been like that for as well at that specific age structure and actually I'm just in the next that's like the big one I think the biggest of the of your first sort of seven year cycles is that 28 or 27 whenever it is 28 it is 28 
And, um, and the next one then is 35, which I'm 35 now, and I'm finding it to be an incredible year for me. Like I'm really changing some deep-seated belief systems about myself at this point. And I mean, that stuff can happen at any, at any time, but I'm just for myself, I'm noticing the seven-year thing seems quite interesting to follow along with. That's amazing. That, that's so beautiful. <laughs> I am 28 right now and wow. I, can, I can relate to it. I like, I was, my heart was like racing when you said all this <laughs> because it's so true, you know, when I was 20, I, so I moved to London right after I finished gymnasium here in Sweden and I was like, I'm going to be a songwriter, I'm going to be a big star and I had, you know, the all the wrong intentions. Like I wanted mm. to have recognition. I wanted to prove people wrong. Everything was outside of myself. Mm. And, you know, I, I struggled and I fought. And the last three years, I came to this place where I was like, oh, wait, something is changing. Like what used to drive me is not touching me at all anymore. And I want completely different things. And three years ago, three, four years ago, I started practicing a lot of yoga and meditation. And, you know, my, my focus just shifted from wanting to prove people outside of me wrong to now like all I care about is if I can go to sleep with myself and be happy with myself. And if I make the music that I truly love creating with people around me that I love, then it is just, you know, a, a, a natural consequence that people outside will hopefully like it. But I can't start with that intention because then it's the, the wrong way, you know. So I can, I can definitely feel that. And it's been so nice because when I was like, 2021 I felt like oh I'm so old like it's never gonna happen for me and now I feel so ready to be 30 like I cannot wait <laughs> to turn 30 and just like it's a new chapter and I feel so I feel so good in myself for the first time in my life so I wow. love that I love that idea uh, that's so I'm so happy you told me that so I feel very yeah. emotional listening to that story I've got tears in my eyes it's so <laughs> nice because I, I feel like you you kind of are doing now what I so basically when I was 28, I stepped, I was like, I'm going to play music, but I also didn't realize that what I was also doing because it was honest and it was real and it was what I wanted to do. But I also used it at that time as a way to like show, prove to the world, look, I'm okay. I'm enough. I'm cool. Like love me. I'm worthy. All that stuff. And it's only really in the last, this next cycle, like in the last year. Yeah. Just really this year is where things have really started to shift, but I've been re-looking at it all for a while. But really like exactly that, really committing to my morning practice, like having having a daily practice that is about me and everything you just said, I could have said exactly the same thing and been honest, really like telling the truth, you know, like it's, but I'm so glad to hear that you're on that now because I think, I think that's why life is cyclical. Everything moves in circles. Whatever we don't look at just keeps rising again and again and again. And so... It, all in its own time. I actually, one of my songs, one of my favorite songs called Always Wondering, it has a line in it that says, seek and you shall find, life happens in its own time. And there's that, you know, it's funny because I didn't realize it was a biblical line when I wrote it, but the line seek and you shall find is from the Bible, which I didn't know, but I do think it's an amazing, it has a lot of wisdom in it as well as a lot of stuff I really am not into. But anyway, that line, I've lo always loved that line, but it says, seek and you shall find. And then the next line is my own addition, which is what you will find is that it all happens in its own time. So we can show up, do our best to show up, but we also have to surrender. Like the seeking is important and the finding is important, but acknowledging that, that we don't control that timeline. Um, we just get to show up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I find that the same with everything of 
learning to just align with the time. Like I've been trying to make a new record the last couple of years. And last year I had this feeling that, okay, I need to finish it and put it out now. Like it needs to be out now because I haven't released anything in a few years. And, you know, you're always a bit stressed because your audience is always moving on and I have this constant feeling like I need to push stuff out, you know. Mm. But I also had a feeling like, no, it's not ready yet. Like, I am not ready yet and the songs are not ready yet and I need to live for one more year and, you know, live with it. And now Mm. I have found that while, you know, learning to do that, everything aligned naturally like the musicians came to me naturally and the songs became recorded and like without pushing it and it's such a nice feeling when you can just let things take their time and everything is gonna find their place in the universe I think Mm. yeah it's it's such a different attitude to what we've been taught and sold and I think what a lot of people don't realize is how deep these um, this conditioning goes that the actual modern education system was only developed during the Industrial Revolution as a way to train people to go and work in factories. Like that's, it trains people to follow orders, to, to answer questions the way that they're meant to be, that they want them to be answered. All of, it doesn't acknowledge all of these beautiful things, moon cycles, life cycles, time cycles, heart cycles, um, women's cycles, like all of these incredible natural winter cycles, like nature cycles. The whole of nature, the whole of the universe operates in cycles. Even the fact that the earth rotates around the sun, it's cyclical. It's like, and yet we live this thing where it's meant to be like, no, you've got to, it's just one thing after another and you take the next action and everything gets done. And, oh, it's so intense. Like I'm really trying to just, that's, I think why for me, my morning practice is so important and also so challenging is because there's no like end result in a way. Like there's no, I just... Like no one's gonna give me an award for meditating in the morning, you know. (laughs) Like, but it's but I'm the one who gets to, but but it is like, the more I go into myself, the more I have to offer out to anyone else, and the more that flow can happen. So I feel like that's what I what I hear from you, which is a nice reminder for me as well. Yeah, and it's also one of those things I think you need to learn that you're not you're not gonna go through three months of practicing meditation and then you're there, you know, it's, Mm. you have to take it on as a lifelong journey rather than an intense project, you know, because I think that is the thing you, you know, all these things about connectedness and alignment, but then you go out into the world in a big city and people bombard you with pressure and money and careers and you forget Mm. about it. So that's why I feel the same that like every morning that is my time to like come back. Okay this is what it's about. And then you go out and you forget about it and then you have to Mm -mm. come back, you know? Exactly. It's a a daily thing, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's a... Have you heard of Vipassana meditation? Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, so so I did that some years ago and actually I did it at a time... I mean, it... I'm grateful for it, but at the time it was more... it, It gave me more, like, stress than it gave me release anyway but but it did it showed me some important stuff but anyway one of the teachings in that that he says which i love is that basically anyway for anyone who doesn't know vipassana is a form it's a meditation practice that apparently was the one taught by the buddha it's like a very experiential about you know scanning your body all these things but and it's amazing and i totally am behind it but one of the teachings he says in it is that Basically, you meditate and you meditate for a long time you meditate you meditate and then what happens is you get like half a second between something happening and your reaction. 
And then you meditate more, more, more. Maybe you get now another half a second. And so maybe after some time, you have one whole second between something happening and your reaction. And that one second is the point where you get to choose. And I love that. I just really, I was like, wow, that's, it's also difficult. It's like, oh, but I want the results now. But the reality is that that's what the practice is, is that over time, over time, over time, being gentle, doing the work, struggling, getting up again, making it happen. Over time, we get that little, that little extra bit. And over, who knows, five years, 10 years, maybe then we have five seconds where we get to go, okay, wait. I don't need to freak out about this. <laughs> and I love that. And I've watched it with my dad, actually. I mean, he's been doing Vipassana for, I think, 10 years now. And um, and he's like a different, I mean, he's still himself, but in how he responds to the world is completely different. He's one of the calmest people I know, and he was one of the most impatient and reactive people I knew before. So That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. And um, I wanted to uh, go in a little bit on mental health and... Mm. Uh, depression specifically that you have been very open about and you posted a really beautiful video on YouTube talking about it um, and what I wanted to know with all of this you know the yeah you can call it a spiritual practice I guess even if however you see that did you did you find that that helped you through a lot of that to, to have those thoughts and be able to find a different way to think about life do you feel like that has helped you with your mental health? Yeah, it's a, a great question. Thanks for asking about it. I I think we. It, it, I want to be so open about it. I think there's so much still old stories around. Oh, we've got to be ashamed of whatever we're going through. But no, let's throw it open, please, because then we realize we're not so alone. And uh, yes, I would say it's very much helped. I talk about it like a recipe. Like I feel like it's not just any one thing, but there's a recipe like with different ingredients and. If I didn't have a, most of those ingredients, then it would be a different cake that I'd be baking, you know. But like, so for me, it's the um, the the things that are that I try to do every morning. And if I just get maybe even just one or two of those things, then it's great. Is I start with the morning journal of like the artist way, just stream of consciousness journaling to get all of my busyness out of my head, just out. And then it's doing breath work and then it's doing some kundalini yoga, which is also breath work, but also with some movement of the body because I also have challenges with chronic pain in my neck and my back. And so I'm finding that doing exercises specifically around loosening my spine is changing everything. And also in terms of kundalini, kundalini energy is that energy that rises up the spine like a snake, like that's life energy, it's chi, it's that life force. And so by making space in my spine and and re you know like reactivating my spine i'm giving myself a lot more access to energy on on many levels so the kundalini and then and then some meditation at this point i'm just doing 10 minutes um but that's basically like if i do that every morning it 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 changes everything like if i if i miss a day part of the thing i'm struggling with right now is i almost feel like i get punished like if i miss a day it my headspace is so much less clear and positive and all the things like it, I really it's so noticeable so it's I'm a bit frustrated by that I'm like why do I feel like I get punished if I don't do the right thing I don't want to be punished but but it just is it's just showing up and doing the work really helps and then so that's like the daily practice which I think is 
is absolutely important, whatever that daily practice looks like, some kind of showing up for self. But then also I combine that with um, conscious breath work, which is a specific thing I try to do every sort of every two to three weeks, um, which is basically like lying down, being guided through a connected breath session. And it basically takes me into an altered state of consciousness just just through breathing. And then I then I process the deep trauma, the deep emotion, the deep anger, whatever stuff I have in me from my life that is unresolved or un, undealt with, which is a lot of the stuff that causes depression, I think. It's this unresolved, hidden, suppressed stuff. That stuff comes out in a safe held space so I can shout, I can cry. My body sometimes goes into convulsions of like, not like... Um, trauma release convulsions where my, my, my back and my hips are like shaking and I can feel it letting go of tension that is deeply stored in my body. And I find doing that, like once I do that, then, then my resistance to my self-care practice, my morning practice like vanishes for a while. Like I just, it clears, it clears me out so beautifully. And, um, and then also the other thing I'm doing, which is kind of a bit more like, what's the word, um, on the edge of things, but I'm using uh, psilocybin as a, as a healing medicine. So that's magic mushrooms, which is illegal in most places in the world. But I, through my own research, because I was so desperate of like, I'm, this depression is killing me. Like I'm, I, I want it out. I really want it out of life for quite a long time. Like I just, even on good days, I was like, if I would check in with myself, I'm like, Ugh, but I, I could just leave anytime and I don't really care. Like it doesn't really feel like there's anything worth being here for, which is crazy because I so much like, but I couldn't feel it. And, and so what I discovered through my research was that I didn't want to use SSRIs or antidepressants because based on my research, I couldn't find a really good, good reason to trust them. Um, but then I started coming across this thing of a psychedelic assisted therapy. And so I use it, um, I use it in micro doses, uh, which is just such small amounts that I don't feel anything. And then so every three months, I'll have a big dose with a facilitator that again, takes me to the same place as the breath work, but even more so in some ways. And that's helped me to let go of so much old stuff, like old traumas and old pains. And But I think that that wouldn't really make a good enough difference if I wasn't doing a morning practice to like help to bring it into reality. Because I know a lot of people who use plant medicines like ayahuasca or psilocybin and um, these kind of things, but they don't, they aren't really doing a daily practice. And so their life just falls straight back into its old patterns. And I don't really see as much change in that way. Um, but yeah, it's quite a, I'm, I'm a bit nervous talking about it because it is still by many people, it's considered so crazy and dangerous and illegal. But if anyone's really interested and at least open to changing their mind about it, I would recommend Michael Pollan's new book, um, which is How to Change Your Mind, The New Science of Psychedelics. And he's he's considered one of the 100 most influential people in the world by Time Magazine. He's written incredible books that have helped a lot of people. And and he's, his most recent one is literally about how useful this can be if it's used safely and correctly and responsibly. Anyway, so thank you. That was a long story. <laughs> no, that's great. That's perfect. And I, I think that that is really important because I think there's still the stigma that um, any kinds of, of, you know, drugs, even if it's plant-based drugs, people still think that it's all for partying. And, you know, 90% mm. is medicine to take care of yourself. And then obviously people misuse it in different ways. Mm. But but you have to accept sooner or later that it's we have to use whatever we can get on this planet, I think, to make ourselves mm. better. And yeah, I, well, there's that. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. 
<laughs> well, just the idea of drugs are bad is a when we're talking about things like psilocybin. I, I agree that things like <laughs> cocaine and heroin not a great mm. idea, but specifically plant-based things like marijuana, which I don't smoke. I used to when I was younger. It's not my thing, but but things like in my case specifically psilocybin or these psychedelics, people don't understand that they've only been demonized or made bad in the last, since the six, late 60s and 70s, there was actually from the 40s, there was about 10 to 15 years of high quality research being done on psychedelics in the States and various places. And they were showing massively positive potential. But what happened was that they kind of escaped the lab and people like Timothy Leary went out and were like, everyone needs to take this stuff. It's going to be amazing. And it freaked out the establishment. It scared the, the government. It scared people in power because people who take these kind of things, one of, the, one of the amazing things that happens is that the ego dissolves at some point. It, or it can. It doesn't happen every time for everyone. But one of the things that can happen is that the sense of I am separate from everything dis disappears and all that's left is I am everything. I am connected to all things. I am a part of the entire dance of the universe. I am it's all me and I am all it. And people come out of that and they're like, I don't want to go off and fight in the Vietnam War. Like, I don't want to kill those people who are actually me. And so it caused a, a kind of big problem there. What That's one of the problems it caused for the, the mainstream government was that people were like, we don't want to pretend that we're separate from anyone anymore. Anyway, so that's like a whole different thing. But the reality is that there is so much, like huge amounts of scientific, really high quality scientific data backing up the responsible use of some of these substances. And, and I think now more than ever, the state of the world, the way things are falling apart, the, the challenges we're having, the differences, if we can find substances or practices like breathwork that can help us to reconnect to ourselves and then to everyone else, that that's really what the world needs right now, more than just about anything. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thank you for sharing all that. And um, yeah, I think it's the one of the most important things, I think, is for people with mental health problems, any kind of mental health problems, to talk about it in the way of letting other people know that there are ways to to work with it and to, you know, even if you don't get out of it within the next five years, there are ways to feel better and get through the mm. day and be happy even you know, mm. through a lot of work. And I think that the mm. saddest thing is I've met people who are so hopeless, who have no hope mm. left that there's nothing I can do about this. This is just mm. how it's going to be for me. And that's why I love talking to people who, you know, you're so um, out there and you're you're driving yourself to, to learn new things and experiment and you're so eager to make yourself better. And I think that that is so important for people to hear that, okay, if he did it, I can do it too. You know, mm. that it's never hopeless. There's always something you can do. And there are people who have felt exactly what you feel and who, who, you know, are there to show you the way kind of. Yeah. And there's no, it's not like I'm at the end. It's, you know, I just had, I just came out of last week was really hard. Like I did, I stopped doing my practice for a few days. My headspace was really low. Like everything felt like it had fallen apart again. But it's just slowly, slowly building that resilience to be able to then, when I feel like I have enough energy, wake up and do the practice. Like as soon as that happens, just get back on it and and then go, oh my gosh, here I am again and I feel good and I'm having a good time. So I don't have to attach myself to like, oh, now I'm depressed and it's never going to leave. And like that whole story, because the story itself keeps me trapped in the story, you know, like, and so if I can start to change that dialogue in my head, 
then over time, but it is a process and it does take time. And all I would ask for anyone listening is to just be kind, as kind as you have the capacity to be, be that kind to yourself. Like treat, just imagine that there's someone who you absolutely love and respect and admire and think are amazing. Imagine they're having a really shitty time and they might be having a really shitty time for a while. How would you want to talk to them? Like what would be the way you would want to support them and love them? And then just do that to yourself. If you can, like just in the best way possible, acknowledging that it might not be much. Like if you could just make your bed in the morning, fantastic, well done. Um, actually, one of my songs I wrote uh, last year is called When the Colors Fade. And it was my attempt to describe kind of what it feels like when the depression's on me because I've had a lot of people say to me, and I'm sure lots of people with mental health challenges have had this where people, well-meaning people are like, oh, you just need to go and exercise more. You just need to eat some good food. You just need to go out in the sunshine or just you know, do something that makes you happy. And I'm like, I know all of that <laughs> and it doesn't help. And so I tried to write a song that was kind of like, my idea was that imagine if the world, if you woke up and the world was black and white, like everything you saw was just grayscale. And then imagine that someone comes up and says, oh, you know what you just need is you need some more red in your life. And you're like, dude, <laughs> I know, but it's all black and white. And so that was what the song was about. And it was kind of, it, so it is a sad song. It's a, kind of a dark song, but it's also hopeful and uplifting because again, it lets people know, hey, it's like, we, I, I know where that's at. I know what that feels like. And maybe you feel less alone listening to this one. Mm, that's beautiful. That's a great tips about treating yourself like you, you think you would treat someone you look up to. I love that. I'm going to bring that with me. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah, before, um, I'm trying to keep those conversations kind of under around 40. So we're getting okay. closer to the to the ending. But <laughs> there's so much I want to talk to you about. I could go on for like three hours. <laughs> I, um, I wanted to, to obviously talk to you a little bit more about songwriting specifically. Um, and I remember the first time I stumbled upon you on the internet and my first impression that I loved about you was that, you know, in this world, there are nowadays those sort of pre-made paths that it feels like every artist should take. You know, you should um, get yourself a management, a record label, a booking agent, go on tour, be this, be that, photo shoots. And then you felt so pure, sort of based in the folk tradition in a way. And I mean that in the way of like, instead of having uh, the personality in the bass and then you find the music around, your songs and your stories are in the bass and you have found ways around those songs to deliver them. Mm. And I feel like that is so refreshing in this world where people and the brands and the looks are more important than the music most of the time. Mm. Do, is that, do you feel like that has been something hard to keep or is that something so natural to you, like there's never been another way? Or do you feel the pull of like the pressure of, should I get a record deal? Should I have this? Should it be that? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think I know what you mean. It's So part of, it's, I'm going to try and tell it as short as I can, but it's also connected to everything else. So my music, my music and how I show up in the world are so connected to me as an individual, as a person, as, as Nathan, as Nate, as this guy, because I grew up always very sensitive, very curious, very questioning, wanting to understand the deeper stories, wanting to be vulnerable, wanting to be open. And I was 
battered by the world because of that. In school, I was bullied. I was treated like I was a fool for wanting to be real and connected. Like it was just like, no, you just need to toe the line. You need to play rugby, play some sports, get good marks and all will be well. And I was like, no, but I feel this. So I feel so much. I feel stuff. And so I tried for a really long time to fit into that mold. And that's why I became a player. Like I literally, I remember one of my best friends when I was about 18, like one of my, really, I did, I absolute best friends in the world. And we were joking around the one day and she's like, ah, you know, you're such a player, Nathan. And I was like, that's funny. That's such a funny joke. She's like, what do you mean? It's so, you're such a player. And I was like, I couldn't believe that I, but then I, that didn't stop me. Like I literally tried to use hooking up with women and going out and partying and being that guy as a way to fit into what I thought was expected of me as a man, as a person, as someone in the world, because that was the example, right? I mean, if you listen to most pop music, if you watch music videos, if you look at advertising, it's all sexualized. It's all about who can get the most sex, who can be the hottest person, who can have the most money, all these kind of things. And it was destroying me. So for whatever reason, I'm one of the lucky people who just can't pretend. I tried, I really tried hard, but it was, it, it was just destroying me. And actually that Vipassana 10-day silent meditation I went on, the first four days of that, that was when I was, I think, it was 2010. I was around 24. I don't exactly know my age, but I oh know that can't have been right. I must have been, oh, that's crazy. I guess I must have been 26. Anyway, whatever. I was in my mid-20s and... And basically this, um, this Vipassana session, the first four days were basically action replays of every sexual encounter I'd ever had from a really, really like objective and not very positive viewpoint of like, look at what you've done. Look how much you've hurt yourself. Look how much you've hurt other people. Look at why you were doing this. And I was like, I don't want to look at that. That's horrific. And I, I came out of that and I went through a period of celibacy. I was fully celibate for six months in my mid-20s. And I then was, I didn't actually have sex with anyone for three and a half years. And I, I did that because I knew that something had to change. And so through that whole process, I made a decision at some, somewhere in my mid-20s of like, I am just going to show up as honestly and courageously as I know how. And I'm just going to be vulnerable and I'm going to try my best to be real. Like I, I can't pretend. And actually I've st recently started calling it a truth speaker. Um, and I don't know if anyone else has come up with that term, but I've just, I've been trying to describe like, what is it that I feel is in my core of my being? And it is to speak the truth and not to say that I'm right, because I might be wrong. My truth at this point could be entirely wrong and I'm open to change, but I'm just doing my best to, to speak my truth as I, as I know it. And so my music, my songs, they've always come out of that place, even when I was pretending to be something else. Like they've always come from that well of curiosity and, and truth speaking and questioning and, and openness. And so what I, what I realize is that I can't pretend that I can do that kind of job. I can't be a musician on the road touring 300, 200 days of the year, just going from place to place to place, being, being all about the next record, the next money, the, make the money for the record label so I can pay back the, the loan that they gave me and, and be running this whole intense business. 
um, in that way. Saying that, I do think branding is fantastic. I think branding at its core, when it's honest, is really just who are you, what is your story, and who are you want, who connects with that story, and how do you serve them? Like I think branding, that's what it should be at its core. So I'm actually working more and getting clearer on those areas for myself now and trying to define some of that. Because even you, I feel like you almost have a better sense of what I'm offering than I sometimes do. When you like you speak, I'm like, damn, that sounds amazing. <laughs> and um, and I'm trying to get that clear on it. So, so yeah, I don't think it's negative to have a record label or to have all those things in place if you want to. But if you can do it from a sincere, authentic place where the where it's about the truth and like what is the truth to you and not about and not about an image or about projecting out into the world to make them to make yourself feel better about yourself or like all of those things which I've done so I'm not judging if if anyone's in that place right now I I feel you like I'm still there on, on a lot of my days like why doesn't anybody love me like what can I do to make them love me more um but I've just learned enough at this point to know that truth speaking and being real being authentic and 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 just diving into the the meat and the juice and the 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 ripeness of life and then sharing that with people that's the most important thing i can do even if i don't exactly understand how i'm going to have like a lifelong career out of it <laughs> yeah that's beautiful yeah that's going to be my my next cycle mission seven year cycle mission to mm. embrace my path more because that's what i'm struggling with the most i feel with you know doing like an independent career and I love everything I'm doing and I'm so proud of it but I still have in my back head like oh why didn't I get a record deal why didn't I get a publishing mm -hmm. deal why are other people on big stages while I am here and instead I could just embrace everything that I do have and did get and you know did create and love it and build that on that path but I'm still sort of trying to be the other path, even though that's not mm. my path. And so my challenge right now is to just be proud of my own path and see it as a unique direction. And so it's really, mm. it's really inspiring to see people like you who are so, you know, it feels like you're so sure about what you are doing. And that, that gives a lot of comfort to other people around to see, okay, there is not just one ideal way to do something. It's mm. your way to do something. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, I th thank you. That's a beautiful reflection and I wish it I wish that for all of us really that we live that we can be liberated and know that we have a choice and that we can choose sincerity and that there are people out there who want that. Like that they wanted enough to give us money as an exchange saying thank you. So I've literally had people say to me thank you for the opportunity to be your patron. Like thank you for letting me support you. Like I so I'm so glad I can do this. I'm like, well, that's great. <laughs> then we're mm. doing the right thing. That's the dream. Yeah. Okay. So before uh, you can tell everyone where they can find you and where they can connect with you, I try to end every episode with leaving the listeners with one uh, comforting thought or inspiring quote or just something that they can take with them through their days to okay, Nate told me this and I'm going to think about this now. What would that <laughs> okay. be? Okay, well, if I would share a quote, it's, I thought this was a quote by um, either George, I think George Orwell or Aldous Huxley, but I've since researched it and there's actually no confirmation of exactly who said it, but it has be been one of the things that's given me a lot of peace and like hope and comforting when I get lost and confused on my way. And, and the line is, in times of universal deceit, Telling the truth is a revolutionary act. 
And so for myself, I think that when I think I'm not doing enough or when I wonder if there's any point or any of those things, I'm like the fact that I'm just doing my best to tell the truth in a time of, I think, a lot of deceit in the world right now, that is, that is the revolution. And so that gives me comfort and maybe it'll give your lovely listeners some comfort too. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for that. So where can people go and connect with you, find you, share your Patreon, of course? So the easiest is really just to go to nate.live, N-A-T-E dot L-I-V-E. And that kind of has links to all the other places, to my videos, to my music on Apple Music and Spotify and my live streaming. I do a lot. I, I live stream several times a week, which is super fun. And like probably the best way to get to know me and share good vibes, definitely live streams. And then, yeah, I've also got a link to my podcast. It's kind of all nate.live. You'll find it all there. Perfect. And I will have all those links in the uh, description under the podcast on SoundCloud and on my website. So I will link that down. Yay. Perfect. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, Nate. Thank you so much, Charlotte. I really appreciate it. This has been amazing. And there you have it. I really, truly hope that you enjoyed listening to this as much as I enjoyed doing it (laughs) thank you for listening and welcome to this new season of the podcast i am so excited to finally start rolling everything out you know i have spent three years just creating just being in a little bubble reading learning growing at least trying to grow changing and it feels so good to now open the door and finally start rolling things out I will, of course, keep you updated with all the new music that will come out from me the next year. Uh, For a whole year, I'm going to release music. And yes, stay updated with the next episode too. Um, I assume that you're listening on either SoundCloud, YouTube, or maybe Apple Podcasts. Um, No matter where you're listening, it would mean the world if you enjoy this and you like the idea of me podcasting. If you wanted to go to Apple uh, Podcasts and give me a five-star review and just maybe tell other people why they should listen to it. Mm, I really love doing this, so it's always fun to hear that uh, someone cares if I keep doing it. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't joined my Kickstarter yet, now is the time to do so. With the Kickstarter, I'm doing monthly live-streamed coffee hour slash wine hour hangouts where I'm just hanging out with all my friends on Kickstarter. So I really hope that you will join me there. You can find the link uh, wherever you're listening in the show notes. And uh, yeah, have a beautiful day. Have a beautiful evening. Thank you for being you and thank you for listening. I love you. Bye.